the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Firing Line with Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Vortex Optics, Cutting Edge Bullets, and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now, your host, Rick Travis. Happy Saturday, Patriots. This is Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association, welcoming you to this week's edition of Firing Line Radio. Today I have a very special friend that we have been working for years on court cases. You may know him from being the co-author with Attorney Chuck Michelle of the California Gun Law book, Matt Cabero, who is with me today to talk about some of the cases that are moving through the courts, what's going on. We're going to break it down for you so that it becomes very easy to understand. Welcome aboard, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, Matt, in the news, and and I know you get hit with it, I get hit with it all the time, Duncan v. Beccaria, I mean Becerra. (laughs) Duncan v. Bonta now. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about that. Where is Duncan v. Bonta? So basically what's been happening lately is some of you may have seen the decision that came out from Judge Benitez that, uh, wasn't necessarily a big surprise. He, he sort of stuck to his guns to use a turn of phrase and, and upheld the second amendment as it should have been and used a test, uh, very much in line with what the Supreme Court set out in Bruin. Uh, he, he was, of course, very careful, however, uh, in issuing his ruling and the way that he did it to make sure that, uh, as the state was going to appeal, as everyone knew was going to happen. Uh, he made sure that his ruling protected those individuals that may have lawfully acquired magazines, standard capacity magazines, uh, back when he issued a decision that resulted in Freedom Week, where we saw millions of standard capacity magazines lawfully sold here in the state of California. And so, of course, the Ninth Circuit has appealed his decision. They've appealed to the Ninth Circuit. And what the Ninth Circuit has done is they've taken it as what's called a comeback case, where they're basically saying that because this case has already gone before the Ninth Circuit and an 11-judge en banc panel, the en banc panel is going to rehear the case directly instead of a three-judge panel, uh, as uh, is the normal procedure for cases as they move up in the Supreme Court. And uh, sorry, up to the Supreme Court. Uh, and so basically they're sort of skipping the step of, of a three judge panel issuing an opinion. Uh, and, and they're going straight back to the 11 judge panel that was used in the original on panel, because obviously, as you've seen now from some of the dissenting opinions uh, in that decision by the Ninth Circuit, there is a cohort of judges, I'll say, uh, in the Ninth Circuit that are very much wanting to uh, to kill this case uh, and, and and eviscerate Judge Benitez's decision and give the state uh, some way of upholding its restrictive anti-gun law here. And so what has happened recently is the Ninth Circuit has issued a decision that uh, puts a stay on Judge Benitez's decision. And basically makes make, it makes it clear that we're not going to see another Freedom Week as a result of uh, Benitez's ruling here. But, uh, you know, that, of course, could, uh, you know, speed things along to the Supreme Court eventually where this case is likely going. And I, I can't, unfortunately, speak into too much detail on where things are going. But I will say this, that we, we do have uh, some very interesting procedural things that we're looking at 
Uh, and I'll tell you that, and anyone that's listening to probably pay attention within the next couple weeks, because we'll, we might have something developing here shortly that uh, will be uh, interesting to quite a lot of people, something that we don't usually get a chance to do. So I, I, I just want to, you know, sort of tease that in the way that I can without giving away too much, but some of you might already kind of understand what I'm talking about. But just know that in the next couple of weeks, uh, we will be uh, taking some procedural actions here and see where that goes. But the key thing to remember, if you have a standard capacity magazine that you lawfully acquired, you can continue to possess it lawfully. You can continue to use it lawfully. Uh, it's sort of the status quo while this case is being litigated. And I think that's really important that people realize this case deals with what I always like to call the um, limited capacity magazine because California puts a limit on 10 rounds or less in a magazine. Whereas everybody else in the other 49 states is allowed to get, you know, a standard capacity magazine. But what we do not say in this community is what the, the left, um, and those going after our rights want to say, and that's a large capacity magazine because there's no such thing. It's just a, it's just a standard capacity magazine, a magazine that the, the firearms designer designed to go with that particular thing. And so, um, as a talking point, I always tell people, think about it just like, when you buy a car here in California versus, say, Texas. In Texas, you get five actual tires. In California, you get four tires and a little mini donut in the back. Um, and most of us realize that if you want to be able to go travel and do things, you have to replace that mini donut at a cost of several hundred to a thousand, over a thousand dollars to you. This is the same thing with firearms. So when you're talking to somebody who may not understand magazines, just say, hey, everybody else for the same price you pay here gets standard capacity magazines you get limited capacity magazines, and that's what CRPA is fighting against in this this case with uh, Duncan V, originally Becerra, now Bonta. Um, you know, Matt, explain, because one of the things I hear about this, it's like, oh, my God, when is this ever going to be over? Because it seems yeah. like, you know, we sued, it went up and went through this whole process, came back down, like how many rotations do they get? What is your response to somebody that says that? Well, so I think we've gone through this sort of second rotation now, and the reason why we've gone through that is because the Supreme Court said to the Ninth Circuit, yeah, your prior ruling is wrong, see Bruin, you know, try again kind of thing. And so that that's really where the buck will stop, is whether or not the Supreme Court does something again or they issue a new decision, you know, who knows. And so obviously Bruin, the, the situation with Bruin was a little bit different because Bruin didn't address – standard capacity magazines or restrictions on what states or other government bodies call large capacity magazines. And so the reason why we have to go through this again is because uh, Bruin was still very much on point in that it set a standard of review uh, that the lower courts must abide by. Uh, but it, of course, didn't address the actual question in Duncan, which was, are these standard capacity magazine restrictions uh, constitutional or not. And so that's why we have to go through this whole process through the courts again. Um, and so, uh, to, to, to answer that question directly, I think once it, we, we get a sort of a, a decision here out of the Supreme Court that's directly on this case or where the Supreme Court, you know, the Supreme Court could do a lot of things. They, they could, you know, not take the case. They could take the case in which we actually have to go and argue in front of the Supreme Court. They could also do a grant vacate review. Where, where they basically say, no, you got it wrong. Here's our decision kind of thing and just issued a decision straight out kind of thing. And so, um, but the, the bottom line is I think that once we actually get a ruling out of the 11 judge panel here, if we go, if we do that, uh, and we ultimately go to the Supreme Court, which this case is going to either way, but once the Supreme Court decides what it does here, I think that will probably be the end of this case. Uh, and so we're, 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 we're getting close, but there's still a ways to go. Yeah, I think it's important for everyone to know too. I mean, I see this and, and talk about it here on the radio, but it's just as a reminder, you know, this is an issue in California. When you get to the Capitol and you get to the legislature, the legislature has an absolute, um, verifiable disdain across multiple platforms, not just the Second Amendment. So don't let people say, oh, well, those guys, those talking heads are just saying that because it has to do with gun rights. No, this is across the board. They have an absolute disdain for the Supreme Court and for the letter of the law. They think they know better. They are, are basically think that they're the parent and we're the children. And you got to remember in this upcoming election, 
You are the boss and they are the public servants. And let's remind ourselves, they work for us, not the other way around. And this is a chance to remove them because these are the people that help decide what types of judges you have in the circuit courts and the lower courts and other places. And it's time to start holding them accountable because this case has cost a ton of money, folks, to pursue. And that's part of their hope is if they can drain us, that they can just push these things through. We cannot allow that to happen. We have to continue to work. Understand, too, you know, um, a lot of a lot of things are said negatively often about attorneys and Matt knows that I've teased him from time to time <laughs> in fun, but these attorneys are the only other people besides us that are working in the Capitol that we have no lives. We, we barely get to see family, friends, or anything else because they're working around the clock. And Matt, um, you know, before we go into this next seg- segment, I just want to thank you publicly because the amount of work you and your um, compatriots there at Michelle and Associates do around the clock is absolutely amazing. I have, I've personally called you at horrible times of the, uh, the clock to go, what the heck do I do with this? And you've always been there. Um, and along with, you know, Matt doesn't just defend your rights. He exercises his Second Amendment rights. Um, and so I just want you to know, these people are doing their absolute best out there. And you should be very, very proud. If you're a member, if you're not a member, join CRPA at CRPA.org. But this fight is incredibly hard. And we're going to get into some other areas so that you can go out there politically and talk to people about what's going on. Because uh, there are some critical cases that are going to impact your lives and are going to hopefully turn things around for the better as we reestablish the Constitution here in California. We'll be right back on Fire Mind Radio. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the legislative director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. And today with me is Matt Cabrero, one of the finest lawyers from Michelle and Associates, co-author of the Gun Law Book. And we are talking about court cases currently going through and trying to break them down so you understand. One of the frustrations for us as as gun owners, collectors, um, people wanting to go out there is, you know, you read a magazine, whether it's Ballistic Magazine or a hunting magazine or, or, you know, some other, an off-the-grid magazine. Hey, that's a great article. I'd love to go buy that. Then you go to your gun store, and once the uh, salesperson quits laughing, he informs you of this thing known as the roster. And the roster has become this draconian tool used to limit the number and types of firearms. Now, this is all done classically in what I like to call Governor Gruesome Newsom's 
um, idea out of excremento of, oh, this is for your safety. But I want to pause there for a moment. Firearms technology is constantly changing. The, the triggers, the, the slides, mechanisms, everything is safer today than it was 10 years ago. But unfortunately for those of us in California, we can't buy the safer version because in the name of safety, the governor has tried to stop that through a myriad of different laws that he has pushed through his cohorts in the Assembly and Senate, as well as good old Proposition 63 from several years ago. Finally, we had a, a, a person that was willing to stand up and go, and that created a case that is now known as Bolin v. Bonta. Matt, tell us about that. Yeah, so there's actually been a couple cases that have challenged the roster, but we, we took a different approach here in the Bolin case. And really what we were doing with Bolin was we were attacking the requirements for guns to actually get listed on the roster, uh, namely uh, for semi-automatic firearms at the time we challenged the, the law. Uh, there was a requirement that, that in order to be listed, the gun have to have what's called a chamber load indicator, a magazine disconnect mechanism, and then, of course, micro-stamping, uh, which uh, we'll talk about, obviously, in more detail, I'm sure. But bottom line is what we were doing is we weren't necessarily challenging the, the roster outright. We were saying that, okay, if you want to have a roster, you know, state, you know, we, we aren't going to focus on that so much, but what we are going to focus our, on these are on these requirements that basically, as you said, you know, prohibit the production and, and addition of guns onto the roster that have, for the most part, are just safer. They have better manufacturing processes or, or, you know, things like that, that because of these requirements are now in place, that namely the micro stamping was the big one that no manufacturer, to my knowledge, even today, has been able to effectively produce a micro stamp equipped pistol. Uh, that, that basically prohibited any gun getting listed on the roster. And this all started back with, uh, Kamala Harris back when she was attorney general. Uh, and she said that, oh yeah, the technology is, you know, widely available for use kind of things like, well, no, because the manufacturers haven't even produced a gun capable of that. And they still haven't to this day. And, it, you know, I'm sure there's someone out there, if, if this technology really was feasible, uh, that, you know, someone would have done it. But keep in mind, you know, a lot of the things that we see out of the legislature come from stupid ideas from Hollywood. And, of course, microstamping came from Judge Dredd, if I'm not mistaken, where, you know, you had the gun that had shot the bullets that, you know, had the judge's DNA on it or whatever. And some stupid legislator thought, oh, that's a good idea. Let's make a law like that. It's like, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we have to deal with sometimes. And so, uh, but bottom line, we had a judge in Cal, in uh, the federal district court here in California, not Benitez, a different judge, uh, Judge Carney, uh, found that these requirements, all three, uh, were, were impractical and feasible and non-enforceable. And he issued a decision that uh, basically what the state did is I think the state kind of saw the writing on the wall for microstamping because uh, they, they sort of capitulated in the sense that when they appealed Judge Carney's decision, they didn't appeal the decision as applied to microstamping. And they only are now fighting in the Ninth Circuit on the other two requirements, the chamber load indicator and the magazine disconnect mechanism. And so what we saw as a result of that was several manufacturers have now been able to actually get several new firearms listed onto the roster because they don't have to deal with the microstamping requirement anymore. Um, the, uh, the, the state, of course, is appealing his decision, however, it is in front of the Ninth Circuit. We're going to have to see where that goes. Uh, but there's been some developments as well at the legislature, as I'm sure, Rick, you you, you know as well as I do, uh, with uh, one of the Senate bills that was signed this year was sort of a, an overhaul of California's microstamping requirements. And and that's something that we're, we're going to be seeing potentially have an impact on the case as far as the challenge to the microstamping requirement, but also whether or not you know, we move forward here, what some of these requirements for the roster are actually going to be. Yeah, I mean, from the, you know, the Senate bill that was put forward has been nothing short of a pain because during testimony, both myself, Sam Protis from Gun Owners of California, Dan Reed from the NRA, um, Ben from uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation, we all testified relentlessly about how even the inventor of microstamping said it doesn't work. It's not going to happen. And yet, 
you know, when you listen to the dais, all but two people, um, and you can kind of guess what the, what party those two people were from, not, doesn't have a, a donkey for its symbol, uh, even though the people live up to that symbol, they, uh, you know, came straight out and said, Hey, you know, um, we don't care that it doesn't exist. We're going to put this law on, as you know, it's got several like, well, if we don't make it by this point, what about this point? And if we don't make it by that point, what about that point? So it's going to be a pain for a few years, but this is, this just shows the relentlessness of the left once again, not willing to look at reality. And like you said, it's, they live in fantasy land. And 90% of the stuff that I see come out. It's, it's, another arguments are based on fact because facts don't seem to matter. One of the things, uh, I was also going to bring up is, you know, this is going to go through a process, but we do have enough time right now in this segment to talk about South Bay Rod Gun Club, uh, v. Bonton because we actually got a win when we challenged SB 1327 on that one. And I want people to realize we get some clear cut wins on some of these things. They're not that, that hard for us to get. Um, our, our attorneys are really, really, really good at going in there. And so we're able to get some of these wins and start pushing back and that along with some things we do in the, the legislation behind the scenes helps open it up. Um, I do want to go back to something on Duncan though too, because while that could get depressing, Matt, you know, one of the things I, I said to somebody earlier this uh, month was they were upset, you know, that we're going through this cycle again. And I said, but think about, it. in a sense, our case actually granted you more freedoms. Their their whole goal was to take things away from you. And because of Freedom Week and the decision by our, our good friend and St. Benitas, <laughs> people have so many more um, standard capacity magazines than they did prior to that. People are able to actually use them in their CCW firearms in most, you know, municipalities with the sheriffs and, and police chiefs. Okay. People are able to take them to the range, things that weren't necessarily true prior to the case. So one of the things I want to encourage the listener out there is often what you hear around the tailgate at the range and something as being another defeat and are depressing. Actually, no, actually we uh, took an attempt to make things early depressing. And while this has been a long drawn out thing to kill it forever, along the way, we've gotten victories that have actually expanded your ability to do some things. And so you need to look at those, those high points and realize um, one of the things I keep talking to people and we're going to talk about Rodi V. Becerra and another case called CRPA versus Glendale in the next segment. But you got to realize what Matt and and his compatriots over there at Michelle Associates and all of us on the 2A community and the lit- and on the legislative side will tell you is when the Bruin decision was handed down by the Supreme Court that reset the table, that was the equivalent of the World War II Battle of Midway. The Japanese admirals at Midway said the war is over but they still made us fight for a couple more years, island by island, to get back to Pacific and bring peace back to the to the Pacific Rim. This is the fight that's going on in California. Bruin was the Second Amendment midway nationally. And if you look across the country since Bruin, there's been victory after victory after victory as we fight to take back rights in every state, which CRPA and Michelle and Associates attorneys are involved in nationally. This is what we're going to be looking at in the next two segments of how we're fighting back island by island, piece by piece, and we're winning, folks. We are winning. We are defeating them. We're pushing them. The reason we went from 20 pieces of legislation to over 100 is because they are freaking out and they're trying to find everything to go after. We knew it was coming. We were prepped for it. We handled it well this year. We stopped 80% of the legislation attempts. And we were already prepping Matt and the guys and gals over there at Michelle Associates were prepping months in advance for anything that made it across the line. So you have a great defensive team, a great offensive team. You're going to see more offense coming. And uh, that's what Matt was teasing you guys about. You're going to see some really amazing things coming up. And you're going to see some things in the next legislative season that you're going to go, wow. So... Keep the faith as we come back here on Fine Line Radio to discuss more of the war for your rights. 
Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. This is Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Joining me today is Matt Cabrera, who is one of the attorneys for CRPA that works with Chuck Michelle at Michelle and Associates and also co-author of the gun book that tells you all the gun laws of California and what you need to know. Every year it gets bigger and thicker, and Matt is the one that goes through all that, which is why it's great having him on today. We're talking, folks, about breaking some of the biggest cases down and what we're doing and how it's going and how do not get caught up in this. We're not winning junk that I hear all the time on social media or other places because it's absolutely the opposite. Um, one of the things I like to tell people all the time is, you know, when we're lobbying in Sacramento, it's not about yes and no votes. In fact, anybody thinks that you either have a yes or no vote, or you vote for number one or number two. No, there is a third voting option called not voting, being apathetic. But an apathetic note, not voting, is an actual vote. And so when you don't vote, when you don't get out there and stay positive, uh, you're actually voting for the very thing that you don't want. And so we need you guys to get out of your, your chairs, off your, your rumps, and get out there and start working with us because we're winning. So um, we're going to talk about another case that is uh, named with uh, arguably the greatest Olympian of all time, Kim Rohde, a great friend of both of our organizations, Matt. And she took up the call on ammunition, which has been detrimental across the board in so many ways. Let's talk about Rohde v. Bonta now. It was Rohde v. Becerra, but now Rohde v. Bonta. Yeah, so this this is a case, obviously, we filed uh, challenging California's ammunition sales restrictions. And I, I think it's amazing that uh, even today, I still get people that don't understand uh, the the actual restrictions and what they have to do to comply, uh, so to speak, with, uh, with the requirements in order to be able to lawfully purchase ammunition in California. It, it really illustrates how poorly... Uh, the legislature uh, does and the California Department of Justice does and actually educating people on these requirements, these laws that they try and pass with the guise of public safety, yet they don't seem to bother to actually tell anyone about it. And, and it's, you know, it's something that we see all the time. And, and you know, it, it's illustrated perfectly with this is that, you know, you have these requirements that the state has imposed in order to just be able to buy ammunition. And I still see, you know, people all the time that reach out to our office, uh, whether they're a potential client or, you know, other, otherwise that just don't understand what they're supposed to do. And so that, that's kind of really one of the main things about this case is that it, 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 it challenges these requirements that, uh, are, are never really been done before, uh, in, in anywhere in the country, really. Uh, when it comes to the sale of ammunition and when Bruin came, came out and, and made clear the standard for lawsuits challenging, uh, challenging laws and, and ordinances, uh, as a violation of the Second Amendment, the Bruin standard made clear that there, that in order for any such law to be constitutional, there has to be this historical analog, whether it be at the time of the founding of the United States or at the, uh, the ratification of the Constitution. Uh, that, uh, you know, this, that whatever law is being challenged could, could relate to. Um, and if, if there isn't one, then obviously the law would be presumptively unconstitutional. And that is clearly the case here where you have a state that is, you know, at the first time in, in, in the nation's history imposed a requirement on the sale of ammunition 
when there already is basically a requirement for the for for firearms and they're basically saying that even if you have a firearm you have to go through some of these uh these hoops that it really kind of don't really do much as far as public safety is concerned as far as i i i i see it and so of course we we filed a lawsuit challenging that and it was in front of judge benitez it went up all the way to the ninth circuit and of course it's back down again uh just like duncan because of the brewing case and so it's uh currently still in front of judge benitez uh, one of the reasons, uh, we understand that he's been taking his time with some of his cases is, uh, he did tell us in one of the hearings recently that his, his eyesight has been having, giving him some trouble lately. And so he's been, uh, uh, he's been making sure to read everything very carefully and taking his time, uh, to make sure that his decisions are, are sort of bulletproof to, to the extent that they can be before they actually, uh, Leave, leave his hands, so to speak, because he knows obviously that the Ninth Circuit is going to do everything in, in its power to, to challenge uh, his decisions. And so he wants to make sure that he gives us the best possible fighting chance, so to speak, to, to challenge these laws, it's, it seems. And so he's, he's taking his time. He's being very, care, very careful about how he words his, his, his opinion, uh, and making sure to go through every little detail that the parties bring to him on the historical analysis. Uh, requirements, uh, to make sure that his decision is in line with the Bruin decision. And so that's kind of what we're waiting for right now. Uh, is, is he's, he's still got to issue a decision. We haven't seen one from him yet, but uh, I would expect it's probably going to be coming out fairly soon here. Yeah. It's interesting given what we're, we're seeing going on over in Israel and things and what we saw here during the pandemic, understanding how draconian those, this whole ruling is of how you go about getting ammunition, folks um, look around the world and see things can be wonderful on Monday and be absolutely hell on earth by Wednesday. And your ability not to be able to go buy ammunition because of a system that is absolutely corrupt uh, and that it doesn't work right most of the time, it's corrupt in that it violates your constitutional rights Remember, these are enumerated rights. These are your your given rights, and these are people trying to water them down, restrict them, and we can't do that because it is time that we really, really um, start to look at it. And I'm going to tie the rest of this show into looking at when a government goes wrong. You know, a lot of what's going on in Israel is being compared to less than 100 years ago when there was another Holocaust caused by a country in Europe. And we're going to, we're going to delve into this a little bit because CRPAV Glendale deals with the thing called sensitive places. And we're going to unpack that over the rest of this. So let's start on the sensitive places challenge with Glendale. Yeah. So you, you kind of touched on something there that I think, uh, before, before we even get into that, that, that a lot of these laws that we see uh, that Especially now, lately, these, these, uh, past couple of months, uh, that the legislature has been seeking to enact and, and, or otherwise policies, whatever you want to call it, they've lost this, I think this, this, this key thing here that when it comes to rights in this country, the presumption is, is that you have the right. The presumption is not that the government has the ability to regulate the right. And that's something that I think a lot of these, these governments, these legislative bodies, these regulatory agencies have lost. And, and we saw that, you know, quite perfectly clear with what Glendale did, where they basically created a list of places that, uh, they, they wanted to classify as quote unquote sensitive places where you would be prohibited from carrying a firearm, even if you had a CCW and were one of the most law abiding citizens, you know, in the United States. And, and this is something that I think, you know, it really came, came to a head with, uh, if you recall back, uh, the prior legislative year, you had Senate Bill 918, which was a direct response to the Bruin case, which was seeking to do something very similar. Uh, but, you know, as a result of your efforts, Rick, and, and, and the CRPA's efforts, that law was, was, uh, was defeated, uh, by a very narrow margin, thankfully. And that kind of took a lot of the legislators off guard. So you saw a lot of these local jurisdictions like Glendale, you know, sort of like, well, 
well, we can't let that happen. So we'll, we'll, we'll pass our own, you know, law that basically prohibits anyone from carrying anywhere in the city. Uh, even though this was something that was specifically addressed in the Bruin case and, and made, I think, quite clear that, you know, you can't have this presumption that the city has the authority to regulate uh, where you can and cannot carry. The presumption is you have the right to carry there and it's the government's burden to prove otherwise. And so uh, we, of course, filed a lawsuit in Glendale challenging that. But then, of course, there's been some developments lately, which namely, as everyone knows, Senate Bill 2 was enacted. And Senate Bill 2 basically takes what Glendale did and they, they, they make it sort of a statewide requirement now. And so now the state has sort of stepped in and said, well, we're going to do this again because obviously they, they failed to enact Senate Bill 918 last year. So they, they wanted to do it again this year and they got it passed. And of course the governor signed it. So, uh, we will be talking about it a little bit more here, but we filed a lawsuit challenging the state law. But the, the Glendale case, thankfully, it, it's, uh, it is, uh, going to be settling here, it looks like. Uh, and so the, the city has sort of capitulated that, you know, their requirements are, are not appropriate. But I think part of the reason why they're doing that is because the state has now enacted, uh, its version. And so the, the city doesn't think that it has to do this anymore. We know given its, uh, political leanings. Yeah, I think that's important. We're going to look at just what SB2 does and our our case may be Bonta and really open this up so you understand just how horrible this law is, especially in light of what's going on currently around the world, especially in Israel. We'll be right back on Firing Mind Radio. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM590, the answer. The Greater Long Beach Gun Owners CRPA Chapter meets the third Wednesday of every month at the Long Beach Rod and Gun Club, 3333 Pacific Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90807. The meeting is from 7 to 8.30 with monthly handgun shoots, FT3 Tactical, and weekly shotgun shoots, L.A. Clays. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. Folks, this is a great day on Firing Line Radio with Matt Cabrero from Michelle and & Associates and the CRPA's legal team. I'm Rick Travis, your host as the legislative director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. If you haven't joined, please join us at crpa.org. Getting into uh, Senate Bill 2, which formerly was 918 that we had defeated a year ago, but we weren't able to stop it this year. There are some things that you folks need to know, because a lot of times you hear us throw a case around or a Senate bill, and you may not understand it. Here's what Senate Bill 2 does. So imagine you're in the early 30s, walking in most of Europe, and, you know, there's there's all of a sudden new requirements that, oh, hey, you can't. You, you, you can't come shop here anymore. You can't go do this here anymore. You can't do that anymore because the government said so. Not because the shop owner said no solicitors, because the government said those types of people, be it gypsies, Jewish people, whoever that may be, 
can no longer shop there anymore. And you say, well, that would never happen in California. Yet the most law-abiding citizens in the state of California, any state for that matter, are those who hold CCWs. We're safer than cops by several times over, according to law enforcement's own, own records. We're the ones that are upholding the law. And yet, one of the things Senate Bill 2 says is, oh, hey, you know what? Before you can go into a private business with your firearm, the business owner has to say it's rejecting the government's policy that you can't go in there and actually post a sign that said you're welcome, which we know how many ways to Sunday bureaucrats are going to abuse that. It also says, oh, hey, even though more so than schools, places of worship, synagogues, churches, mosques are the subject of numerous violent acts, yep, you got to put a sign out there that says you can go in there. It looks to make sensitive places, places where it creates this map that is absolutely inexcusably against the, the Constitution of where you can and can't carry, which the Bruin decision clearly stated you cannot do, like clearly. This is just some of what is in part of our appeal against Senate Bill 2. Matt, take it away. Yeah, so you're, it, it seems to be a recurring theme that a lot of these bills that were passed, of course, they get the presumption backwards. And that's the, that's what's exactly happening that you meant, you mentioned with the, uh, uh, with the signage requirement where, um, the presumption should be, and, and it, and it's made clear in the Bruin case that a, per, a person has a right to carry in a public place, generally speaking. And so the state cannot and should not be able to enforce a requirement that says, no, you don't have that right unless, which is exactly what uh, what you're talking about here. And in addition to that, I mean, ironically, that imposes uh, First Amendment violations as well, because what you're talking about now is in order to exercise a right, the business or, or property has to engage in a form of compelled speech uh, in order for that to be something that uh, they, they, in order to be allowed to lawfully carry there, they have to do that. And there might be reasons why they don't want to do that. You know, for some reason, they don't want to post a sign on, on their door that says, you know, guns are welcome here kind of thing. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that's one of the main problems with this. But, but Senate Bill 2 is, is basically, it's, you know, the legislature's wet dream, so to speak, on, on overhauling the CCW requirements to make it as restrictive as possible, but not crossing the line to basically ban it outright because they know that Bruin, of course, would, 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 uh, uh, prohibits that. And so they, they've done away with California's good cause requirement, which the attorney general already did basically, uh, in light of Bruin. But they've also done away with, uh, California's good moral character requirement. And instead of the good moral character requirement, there's now this list of reasons why you would be denied a CCW and, and, it kind of remains to be seen how that's actually going to get enforced and, and whether or not that that's going to create some of the problems that we think it's going to cause. Uh, but in addition to the basically the application process overhaul, it's also, of course, imposed the sensitive places restrictions uh, like Glendale did. Uh, and that's what our lawsuit is uh, focused on primarily. Uh, at least for the time being, because we know that those sensitive places that the state is trying to say are you prohibited from carrying, we know that that's unconstitutional and we don't necessarily need, uh, a, a, a examples of people, you know, getting violated or, or, or violating those provisions and losing their CCWs in order to challenge it. So that's why we filed the lawsuit immediately on that aspect of it. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's something that it is going to get enforced as of January 1st, 2024. And so uh, we have the lawsuit pending as it stands right now. What people should know is that we actually got the same judge that we got in the Bolin case. And so uh, the Bolin case being the challenge to the roster restrictions. And so Judge Carney is presiding over the case. Uh, and so he's already indicated, at least in his Bolin decision, that he's willing to, you know, be reasonable when it comes to Second Amendment issues. So we have pretty high hopes on our lawsuit there. Uh, we have filed what's called a motion for preliminary injunction. The state, of course, has an opportunity to respond to that. And there's currently a hearing set for December 4th. And so what I'm hoping we'll have 
before this law takes effect on January 1st is we'll have at least a decision one way or the other from Judge Carney uh, prior to that. And that will then at least give us some understanding of what is or is not required uh, when this law is set to take effect. I do want to mention one thing because I have gotten some questions on it with the overhaul to the application process for CCW holders. Not necessarily a lot of people understand this or realize this, but if you're sort of on the fence right now uh, on whether or not you want to apply for a CCW, I would encourage you to do it before the end of the year. The reason for that is because as long as you have submitted a completed application to your issuing authority, whatever jurisdiction you're in, you will be subject to the requirements of the law at the time you submitted the completed application. So if, you, if you're not, you know, thinking about trying to get a CCW and you know that this law is going to pass and whatnot, and you're not sure how the the new requirements are going to kick in and, and what you have to do in order to satisfy that, or even if you will or will not satisfy that, uh, apply now. And the reason for that is because there is a provision in the law that makes it clear that if you submitted the application and it's still pending come January 1st, as long as you submitted a complete application, uh, you'll be able to finish out the application process based off of the law at the time you submitted the application. So prior to the implementation of SB2. So, um, like I said, if you're interested in getting a CCW, now would be the time to apply. Just get it in before the end of the year. I think that's really great advice because I think there's a lot of people sound on the fence and people get off that fence, go apply, get your CCW and get in before this law changes. So just to protect yourself and, and to be on board with it. Matt, you know, one of the things that in the, in the last couple of minutes we have on the show is I really want to push home. This is really a grasping at all straws. And I want people to understand whether you have a CCW or not, this is literally the safest people with firearms nationally. Like they're not going out and doing crimes. You know, all these cases we talked about are designed according to the legislature and the governor to make you safer. But let's look at some facts. Gangs are not going. Criminals, because we're not talking gun control, we're talking criminal control. And I want to really stress that out. Criminals are not going to buy their firearms, their ammunition, at the gun store. They get it through other means, folks. Um, they get it by breaking into people's homes. And why would they break into someone's homes? Because you no longer get punished for doing that here in California. You know, I know people, I have family members in law enforcement. The criminals that do these violent acts are often out before they can even get the paperwork finished up inside the departments on these criminals. This is ridiculous, folks. This is a time where you all need to be outraged because, again, I'm not trying to use Israel because it's it's a bad example of what's going on there. I'm using Israel because I guarantee you people the week before were not sitting there going, I wonder where my rights were. And thankfully, Israel is willing to let people have rights. But imagine a scenario like that here. And, you know, just look at what's happened in, in different parts of the country. We know we have terrorists among us. We do. But we're not we're not looking at those who would be willing to stand in the way until other resources could get there are the very things your government's trying to remove off the map. They're trying to remove your ability. And look, Everybody in, as a first responder, the key word is responder. They're responding to something that's already happened. They're not de- responding preemptively to stop it from happening, which means you are, you and your family's best defense. And folks, that is what the CRPA has been about for 150 years, of your ability to stay safe, to shoot straight, and to fight back for your rights. That is what Matt Cabrera and the other folks at Michelle Associates do day in and day out for you on the legal front. That's what we do for you on the litigation or on the legislation side, as long as we provide training and all the other resources you need. Join CRPA.org, get out there and become part of the solution. And Matt, thank you to you and everybody else at Michelle Associates for everything you do for our rights. Folks, be safe and we'll see you next week on Firing Line Radio. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk.
The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM 590. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.